Ion 2020 episode 225. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up everybody? Ray Eaton here, bringing you another show of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we're going to be looking at the 2020 election until November 2020. If it's your first time tuning in, I appreciate it. Uh, This is a libertarian show, guys. This is a focus. Our focus is on libertarian principles, libertarian ideals, and critiquing the candidates and their policies uh, based upon libertarian principles and ideals as well. So uh, that's what I'm going to do Monday through Friday for you until the election is try to figure out ways to bring you guys more information about the candidates and their policies and uh, really dig deep into these people and figure out uh, why they think the way that they do and what's a better way. And I always think the uh, libertarian way, which is less government, um, less intervention in your lives is always a better way than the standard, oh yeah, the government could fix it or pass a law, things like that. So uh, this is a libertarian show and and I'm going to be bringing you guys all that stuff as much as I possibly can Monday through Friday for you. Um, so something great happened uh, yesterday, and uh, you guys hardly even noticed it, I'm sure. Mark Sanford has decided to exit the race for the Republican nomination for president. And you're like, what? That's not great. And I'm, I'll just say that very sarcastically. I say that tongue-in-cheek as well, because Mark Sanford probably got into the race about a month ago, made a couple of headlines, got on the news, got his name out there and then uh he said i'm gonna make the national debt the number one priority in this in this election cycle we're gonna shine a light on the national debt in the way that the republicans have just kind of decided not even to focus at all on the national debt and uh that was his focus and i think that's a good thing actually i think it's a good thing to try to shine a light on the national debt i think he probably had his heart in the right place in some ways uh, but no one knows who Mark Sanford is except for people that live in South Carolina. And the only reason why you might know who he is outside of South Carolina is because he's the guy that supposedly went for a little hike on the Appalachian Trail back in the day. And I was actually having an affair with some uh, lady over in Argentina. And I guess he was you know, cheating on his wife and he had a long relationship going on with this lady as well. And he sort of went missing. That's the only reason why you really know who he is. But he is a conservative in some ways. He's a really, uh, just a normal Republican, uh, or like a warmonger, warmonger type Republican and all that. Uh, he has conservative views on domestic policy, I guess, when it comes to focusing in on the national debt, which that's okay. I, like I said, we need to focus in on that because that's something that I call Republicans out on as being completely and utterly um, hypocritical on is the fact that you have a president who has continued to rack up the national debt more and more, a trillion dollar national debt this year, or a deficit this year. We have 22, almost $23 trillion is the national debt right now. And nobody says anything about it ever. It's crickets, constant crickets. You'll never hear anyone talk about it. And you could say 
all you want, that deficits don't matter and the debt does not matter, but that is money that is being pumped in the economy, a trillion extra dollars pumped in the economy that didn't really need to be pumped in the economy by the government, and that money is borrowed from China, borrowed from people, and it is used to buy votes and buy political power and things like that. So those things do matter, that debt does matter, and also that's money that ultimately your kids have to pay back or your grandkids have to pay back. Or a less of a less of a standard of living for your kids and your grandkids. That's what it really comes down to. And even though you're, you're never going to pay back that national debt, almost a trillion dollars a year, or not trillion, sorry, half a trillion dollars a year, goes towards paying just to service that debt on the interest. The interest payments on that debt is something that your tax dollars go towards every single day. A half a trillion dollars. And they say by like 2030 or something, it's going to be a trillion dollars a year. He's going to be going just to service the debt. And you have a hundred trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities or more that they're looking at. By 2030, you might have a hundred trillion dollars in debt. I mean, it's doubled under George Bush. It doubled under Barack Obama. It'll probably double under under Donald Trump. It'll probably double under his pre- the person that follows him, whoever that may be. And it's just going to continue, continue to go up. So you need to focus and shine a light on that. You need to have candidates that are willing to do that. And I'm glad that Mark Sanford actually made that a point to make in his little short campaign for president, which didn't even get off the ground, but maybe got on Fox News and CNN for a couple of days, and that's about it. But, I mean, that is a lost cause to run against Donald Trump if you're a Republican. So you might as well just save your money, save your capital, save your time, write a book. You know what I mean? Write a book. That's all you can do. Because it's not going to really influence anybody. Uh, Donald Trump is very well-liked among the Republicans. They love the guy. I think he has like a 90% approval rating among Republicans. They're going to vote for him no matter what. So that's something that doesn't even matter. But yeah, Mark Sanford's out. Okay, woohoo, big deal, right? But um, that's about it. That's the only news that is out there. Oh, wait, by the way, there is one other thing that's going on in the news, and that is the impeachment. Yeah, the uh, that's all you hear about in the news. And I am on this thing where I am trying to avoid talking about impeachment 24-7, you know, 365 on this podcast. That's all that's going to be talked about, though, until December when Congress, the House of Representatives, stops their little charade that's going on and their little thing that they're doing to try to, you know, send it up to the Senate. So they're going to do a vote, ultimately. It'll probably be a party-line vote down the road, right? It'll definitely be a party-line vote. They'll send it up to the Senate. The Senate will do their thing. They'll have this trial little show trial type thing, and it's run by the Republicans, so they're going to have just as much power over the process that's going on as the Democrats do now in in the House of Representatives. So that's what's going to be going on for the next who knows when. And I'm trying to avoid talking about that because I just think that it's all political pandering. It's all, you know, just a a game of power. It's a game of who's going to have power over the government. It's a game of the Democrats trying to, you know, destroy the name of Donald Trump so that they could win. 
And it's the Republicans trying to undermine the Democrats at every turn. It's all politics is all it is. And, I mean, I just don't think that it's a high crime or misdemeanor by any means. I just don't see it. And I think I look at things relatively unbiasedly because I am not a water carrier for Donald Trump by any means. And I am not a water carrier for the Democrats by any means. So I think I could look at it from a pretty unbiased perspective and see that I just don't see what they're what they're getting at. I don't think that it's... I mean, it, it's obviously something that maybe the president shouldn't do. It's obviously the president trying to have power over another country. But you know what we need to be doing is limiting our government then. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be limiting the government's scope overseas. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be limiting the amount of influence we try to have overseas. That's what we should be doing. That's not where the conversation's even at, though. They don't even question whether we should have these foreign entanglements with Ukraine. There's no question whatsoever whether we should be giving foreign aid to other countries. That's not even what they're talking about. All they're talking about is if the if the president did it in a way that maybe he shouldn't have done it and if it's illegal. I just don't know that it's illegal. It doesn't seem like it's illegal to me. And it all comes down I heard this the other day. It all comes down to whether Donald Trump's intention was. Like what was his intent? His perceived intent if you're a democrat is that there was a quid pro quo, you're going to do it or else, and it's all because the entire intention was to smear a political opponent. That's what the Democrats say. And the Republicans say there was no quid pro quo, but even if there was a quid pro quo, the intention was not in Donald Trump's mind to smear a political opponent, but to investigate somebody who just happens to be the son of a political opponent or happens to be a political opponent. But it all comes down to intent. It all comes down to interpretation. It really comes down to you would have to have 12 members of a jury that decide on something like that. But you're not going to have that in this case. You're going to have the Senate ultimately, I guess, decide it. And it's just politics. That's all it is. So... I'm trying to avoid this subject as much as possible on my show, though. Because I don't want my entire show to be about impeachment of Donald Trump. I don't want the entire show to be about that. I want it to be about the candidates and their policies and their the things that they're saying that are going to affect your life. That's what I want my show to be about. How their terrible policies of tax and spend and spend more and bomb this country how that's going to affect your life and how that's going to affect your kid's life and how a libertarian society might work if that's the case, right? If we can move people towards thinking more like a libertarian when we have the expectations of our government where our expectation is more limited government if we could change the culture, that's my job. That's what I'm trying to do on this show. I am not going to talk about this damn 
impeachment thing for the next year. I'm not. There's a lot more things that we could be talking about. There really are. So that's what I'm going to be talking about. So let me get on and get off this subject then because I've spent way too much of my breath already talking about impeachment and I didn't want to talk about that today at all. What I wanted to talk about today was this. Thank you all very much for um, sending me people who are running for the Libertarian nomination. Thank you for letting me know about these people. I was able to cover four of them so far, and as you guys let me know about more people that are running for the Libertarian presidential nomination, I'll talk about them on the show as well. What I've been trying to do is cover them in a very unbiased way, giving you my first impression of the candidates as I see it. That's what I've been trying to do. So I ended up doing a show on Vermin Supreme yesterday, and somebody mentioned, they were like, yeah, no one's going to take him seriously because he's the boothead guy, or the, yeah, the boothead guy, I think is what they called him. But I was trying to be completely unbiased in my view, just kind of give you my first impression. So I did, and I mentioned that. You know, I mentioned, I've, I mentioned that with another candidate as well. DN Taxation is Theft. Brugman, I think is his name. Berman, sorry. Dan Taxation Assess is Theft Berman. I mentioned that about him as well. Like, these things that they do with, you know, they're trying to be eye-catching. Like, Dan with his hat. The Taxation is Theft, the big old yellow Taxation is Theft hat. And then, Berman Supreme with his the boot on his head. Like, I, I mentioned that, you know what? Maybe it's going to be hard for someone to take you seriously that doesn't understand that stuff. Like, those are things that I was, I was critiquing them from my first, you know, from the first experience that I had with these people. I was just giving you my, how I felt about them, right? So, Vermin Supreme, I did one on him. Dan Taxation and stuff. Vermin, I did one on him. I also did one on Jacob Hornberger, who's running for the Libertarian presidential nomination as well. And then Kimberly Ruff, I did a show on her as well. So if you guys know any other candidates, I will talk about them. I'll go ahead and hop on their website, and I'll give you my first impression of them as well. But I thank you for sending me those four people so far, and if you guys happen to be someone that knows of other candidates, or you're following another candidate and so forth, just let me know, and I'll end up doing a show on them. But I wanted to talk a little bit about today my thoughts on these candidates, okay? There's four of them that I know of right now, and I know there's more because I saw more than just four people up on stage, and I know Jacob Hornberger wasn't even on stage at one of the debates I saw, and there was like five or six candidates up there. So you're going to end up having more candidates that are running on the Libertarian ticket that I'll be talking about, but I wanted to give you my my take on these people, okay? My personal feeling, my... I mean, if it even matters to you at all, my opinion on these candidates, because... Uh, I don't know, I mean, figure my opinion matters in some ways. Uh, to myself, it does, so hopefully I guess will take my opinion as well. And um, when I say it's my opinion, though, and you're like a f- big fan of so-and-so, just remember that's my opinion, that's my opinion, and I'm coming in it relatively unbiased because I don't have a dog in the fight, you know? I don't have one candidate that I'm specifically interested in, and I don't usually get behind one candidate. I'm one of those people that I look at the whole picture and I kind of make a determination on the best candidate in my mind, the person I think would win. 
So in my mind, this is what I think is somebody that would win. Ready? And not win the presidency by any means, but win in the sense of being able to continue the momentum of the Libertarian Party moving forward. We've got the people, we've gotten the millions of people, I think it was like 4.5% of the vote, those that voted, so over like 6 million people voted for a Libertarian in the last election. 6 million people. I think it's, sorry, it was 4.5 million people, I apologize. I think it was like 4.5 million people that ended up voting for a Libertarian, Gary Johnson, in 2016. So we have to capitalize on that as libertarians. But the thing is, is that was an election that had Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, two people that a lot of people really did hate, right? And a lot of people just cast a vote for a third party because they did not want to vote for Donald Trump or for Hillary Clinton. So they were willing to vote for a third party. Gary Johnson seemed appealing. He had a pretty good campaign where he was able to, you know, get a lot of people out there and vote. He made some gaffes, that's true. But what if we can have a candidate that's able to get the same name recognition out there as Gary Johnson, able to get the same press coverage as Gary Johnson, but is an eloquent speaker for the movement, understands liberty, understands libertarian principles, isn't just the guy that says, oh yeah, we're fiscally conservative and we're socially liberal, guys, that's what we are. You know, we're for legalizing marijuana, and we're libertarians, and I don't even think he mentioned himself being a libertarian the entire time. He was running against Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But if that's the case, if we want to capitalize on that four and a half million people that are willing to vote third party for a libertarian candidate, that is strong that people were willing to do that, that people bucked the two-party system and moved over to a third-party candidate. That is... That's a win. So how do we capitalize on that? How do we go to 5 million, 6 million people voting? How do we win a state? That's what I'm wondering, right? Because in 1980, I think it was Charles Koch, or his brother, one of the two, was running on the Libertarian ticket, right? I think they were the, the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. And they had a well-funded campaign. They were able to get, I think it was like a million votes. It was the largest turnout for a third party ever at that time. Or in modern times, I guess. And it was the biggest turnout that Libertarians had even after that until 2012, I think it was. So we cannot go another 30, what is that, 32 years from now... to be able to beat the number that we have. So we cannot allow it to go 30 more years before we go past 4.5 million votes again. We can't. We have to capitalize on what we have now. So who's going to be the best candidate to do that? That's what I wonder. And my criteria is somebody who has strong name recognition in the press so they can have the context within the press already to get on TV, right? Because it's a 50-state press tour essentially it's a 50 state tour to get your name out there in the press so that people will listen you have to get on national TV a lot you have to get into the minds of people that you're running 
but you have to be somebody that has legitimacy. You have to be a legitimate candidate. That is going to be key. If the press thinks that you're a crazy man, probably not going to pick up on you. You're not going to get onto the Fox Newses and the MSNBCs as the candidate that's running against Donald Trump and the two-party system. You're just not. So that's the number one thing that I would say is that you have to have somebody who has mass appeal, like name recognition, that has good ties to the press already and can get there and use that media outlet for what it is. And then you got to be able to transition people over to your social media as well. You have to run a great social media campaign also where you get followers and people donating to your campaign, people that are following your campaign, people that are sharing your stuff. So you have to have all of that too. So that'll be a good management team around you. But then I also say that you have to be, and this is my own personal feeling, you have to be gaff-free. You cannot be somebody who is having Aleppo moments all the time. You have to be up on current events. Because they're going to ask you about current events. How are you going to deal with Aleppo? And if your response is, well, was Aleppo, what are you going to do then? You have to be able to... You have to be up on current events. You have to be ready for those questions. Those gaffes cannot be there. So it has to be somebody that is well-read, well-spoken knows their stuff and is able to answer those questions, the hard questions. That's what we need, somebody like that. So who is that person? Between Vermin Supreme, between Jacob Hornberger, Kimberly Ruff, Dan Berman, who is it? I've seen on all their campaign sites, like, nobody's really answering those questions there. But then again, in a roundabout way, we are because... When we talk about foreign policy, it's pretty easy as a libertarian to say my foreign policy would be a policy of non-intervention. And most of these people are on board with that. So then who has the best name recognition? Who has the most appeal, the most mass appeal to the most people? That's where we have to, that's what we have to think about, right? It's not who you like better. It's not who has the coolest look. I mean, it could be that, too. Who has the coolest look? Who, you know, understands the younger people? Because the younger people are going to help the movement a lot to get that social media presence out there, to get the sharing and stuff. So that might be somebody that we need to look at. But Ron Paul is not the hippest guy in the world. And, you know, 2012 and 2008, man, he really destroyed it. Like, he was raising millions of dollars through the money bombs and stuff. Not the hippest guy, though, but he was speaking the truth. He had the Ron Paul revolution going, and people just caught on to it, and they ran with it. So they have to be inspiring as well. Ron Paul, though, not the most inspiring speaker by any means as well. Sometimes he kind of jabbers on and everything like that. But he's speaking the truth. He's talking about things like Ending the Fed. He's talking about ending the wars overseas. Non-intervention foreign policy. Those are things that are hip and cool among young people, I guess. And they became hip and cool among young people at that time. So how do we inspire that next generation to do that as well? That's what we need. We need someone that's going to be able to do that as well. I just don't know who it's going to be. I don't. It has to be someone that can be taken seriously as well. And you guys know how I feel about a couple of the candidates based upon that 
Like, I like the idea, I do. I like the idea of Vermin Supreme going to, going out there and using his form of comedy, right? I like it, I do. I think it's great. If you can get the libertarian message across to people who like that type of comedy, then go for it. Absolutely. Go for it. But will the press take somebody like that seriously? I don't know. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to vote for him because because of the way that he is just trying to shine a light on the terrible atrocities that government has and the way that he goes about it. They like the way that he goes about it. They want to shine a light on just the inconsistencies of government. And he does that pretty well with his form of comedy. That's fine. But he does have a boot on his head. And that's all they're going to ask you in the press because they don't understand libertarianism. So when you're sitting there on stage on Fox News Sunday or wherever on Fox and Friends in the morning and they're interviewing you, the first question every single time, no matter what, is why on earth are you wearing a, plastic, a rubber boot on your head? And then you're going to answer it with some kind of sarcastic comment that's, you know, comedy that other people understand that are in your inner circle, but others may not. And at that point, you know, what's the next step from there? Same thing with, like, the big yellow hat on your head. Like, it's it in the taxation is theft tie and all that. Like, your middle name, I guess, is legally taxation is theft, which is kind of odd, right? But that's the first thing they're going to ask you every single time, which... Um, it's very hard to come up with a quick response to, well, why do you think taxation is theft? That sounds like it has mass appeal. Like there's, you can say a quick response to it. Well, it is. I mean, they're taking money from you and you didn't agree to it. So that's confiscation. And if anyone else was doing it other than the government, you would consider it theft, right? So, but that is something that gets way too deep into libertarian dogma right off the bat. And it might be tough to do interviews in that way. So that's the challenge. Like, we have to have... I just think that there has to be somebody that would follow more of a traditional candidate type. Like, someone that's more traditional. Someone that is really moving forward the the libertarian message in a way that's palatable to other people. I did see that with... uh, with Kimberly Ruff, I did, like on her website, she has a very, what would you call it, her, her, she has the libertarian, the libertarian thing down pat, right, like she talks libertarian values, she talks about that stuff on her campaign website, but it seems very palatable to somebody that might not understand libertarianism, libertarianism, that maybe never has taken a libertarian one-on-one course in college, which there aren't those anyway, I'm just saying. Like, if somebody that's never read economics in one lesson, you have to be able to talk to those people. You have to be able to talk to people that have never even heard of libertarianism before, or just have a very base perspective of what libertarianism is. And on Kimberly Ruff's website, it seems like she does that pretty well. She does. So that could be possible. I think I've, I've think she has a podcast out there as well. I haven't really listened to it. 
So I don't know too much about that. Does she have good media appeal? I did see her on the Judge Napolitano show. I'm not sure if she's making media presence or media appearances elsewhere. So who knows? Does she have that in though? As long as you're the libertarian candidate, you're gonna at that point be able to get a lot of those media appearances and you're gonna have people around you to help you get those media appearances as well. So is she a good spokesman for the libertarian message then? Is she going to go off on a tangent and talk about stuff that somebody that's never heard of libertarianism before just won't understand? I think that she's, she seems like she has a little bit more, um, a little bit, a lot more sense than to do something like that. So sounds pretty good to me. But I think that Vermin Supreme and I think that um, Dan, Taxation and Stuff Vermin, I think that they probably feel the same way and they would probably give a good presentation to the media in some way also if you were asking them about libertarian values in a serious way and they were willing to give and you know they're giving a serious answer so I'm not taking away from their message at all believe me just first impressions are all you're going to have when you're doing media appearances that's it you're only going to have first impressions it's not like you're always talking to people that you've already talked to them in the past and you've already answered those first questions. No, every question you have is going to be a first impression question, right? So you have to not have that glaring elephant in the room on top of your head. <laughs> Sorry. That, anyway, yeah, that, I, I thought that was funny. I apologize. But anyway, so yeah. You cannot have that glaring elephant in the room, man. You can't. But I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with these people as well. Getting on the Jacob Hornberger, he does have that media presence. He does have a lot of appearances in the media over time. He's written books and things like that. Um, He's well-spoken in the libertarian message. He's a little bit more hardcore. But then again, maybe he's figured out ways to talk about that message on that libertarian 101 level and he's able to let people understand it. I don't know. I haven't looked into him enough and I haven't watched him enough on TV or anything. I haven't watched a lot of his videos yet to be able to discern that or not, but hopefully that's the case too. I don't take anything away from any of these candidates. I just think that from the libertarian, you know, party perspective, it's going to be very important that we run the right candidate in this election because it's going to be a media tour. It's going to be the possibility of getting another 5 million votes. It really is. And we don't have that ex-governor out there. Ex-governor just gives you credibility. That's why Gary Johnson was able to get the votes is because he was an ex-governor. He ran a state. William Weld ran a state. Two people that were like the dream ticket in some way for just the average voter who doesn't understand libertarianism or the principles of liberty but wants somebody that's going to talk about less government most people want less government most Americans you know 55% want less government in some ways maybe even more than that so we need somebody who's going to be able to talk to that message as well not get too deep into the weeds on libertarian stuff, not talking about privatizing the roads right off the bat 
You know, like in sales, you don't get into conversations with people that you don't like. You don't go down roads that you don't have to go down when you're trying to sell something to somebody. You find out what their pain is. You find out what their challenges are. You address those, and that's it. If they don't have a problem with something, you don't start talking about how your how your product or your service is going to fix that problem because that's not something that they're even interested in. They don't care about that. Same thing with most voters. Their concerns are what their concerns are. Whatever their concerns are, that's what you address. And most people, you know, that's what the two parties have been able to do is they want to become big tent parties that address these concerns. But most of their concerns are more government. If we can get a, somebody out there that can address those concerns, but talk about less government and not go down the not get into the weeds on all the libertarian principle stuff, then I think we could win. I really do. And not win, and not win the presidency. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe win a state. Maybe win a couple counties. I don't know. Maybe get more than four and a half million votes. That's what we need to be pushing for. So uh, that's my opinion, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, considering my opinion when I talk about these things as well. Uh, hopefully, we get the right person out there representing the Libertarian Party next year, though, okay? That's all I'm hoping for. And I think if we start to work and get behind certain people, um, you know, whoever makes the best case will obviously get it. Uh, hopefully, that's the person that gets it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But I really am excited about the Libertarian Candidates. Tell me more about more Libertarian Candidates. All right, let me know about them. I want to go to their websites. I want to talk about them on this show. I do not want to talk about the impeachment every single day. That's not anywhere close to what I want to talk about. So uh, I appreciate you, though, continuing to support the show, listen to the show, and uh, coming back every day. And uh, I see the numbers continuing to rise on the show, and that's great. Share it with your friends. Let them know about it, okay? And uh, follow me, IonTheEmpire.com. You can do that. You can email me, Ray, at IonTheEmpire.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter. You can communicate me through Messenger, through Facebook Messenger there. You can also, you know, send me tweets or whatever. Uh, let me know about what's going on in your life and what's going on in the libertarian movement in your part of the world, okay? And then uh, if you want to support the show, you can do that as well, anchor.fm slash ion2020. You can also support the show by going to my website, IonTheEmpire.com. There's a support button there. And it'll take you to the Anchor website to do that support level as well. And then uh, the best thing you can do, though, is to give me a five-star rating and review. That's very helpful. And then subscribe to the show while you're there. And then come on back tomorrow for so you can have clear vision for 2020.